Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. This is host Judy Stevens bringing to you another great interview we've got. Plus, this weekend, May 15th to the 17th, is ACBC, Atlantic City Boardwalk Con. It's the first annual con, and Marvel will be there with tons of things happening. We've got panels, we have a booth. We've got signings, you name it, it's happening. Plus, the Woman of Marvel will be there Saturday at 5 p.m. in room 302. Host will be myself, Sana, and Katie Kubert. We're super excited to be there. We've got some great announcements and art to show you, and we're hoping to record the panel so we can play it for you guys in next week's episode. The Marvel booth, number 1015, smack dad in the middle of the dealer's room, you guys can't miss it, will be having tons of things happening, including signings by Michael Rooker and Stan Lee, on top of all the creator signings we've got all three days. And we'll be having the Marvel Costume Contest on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Also, make sure you, when you stop by the booth, to not miss all the giveaways and merch we've got. And we've got even more panels. There's so much going on, I keep on saying the word and... Plus, Marvel Live will be there. We'll be broadcasting live on Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. and Sunday from 12 to 3 p.m. We've got some great guests signed on, on top of all the amazing hijinks that always happens on Marvel Live. Hosts will be Lorraine Sink and Ryan Panagos. So make sure you guys tune into Marvel.com this weekend. So I think that's all I needed to tell you. Uh, summer has started. Con season is in full mode. We've got tons of things planned for you guys in upcoming episodes. On top of, we are getting closer and closer to episode 50. But up next is Game of Thrones, Hannah Murray. We did a great interview with her a few weeks ago, so I'm happy to share it with you guys. If you guys are listening on iTunes, make sure you rate and review us. We totally appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet at us at marvel, hashtag woman of marvel. We will see you guys later. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we talk about all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer, and I'm bringing to you a special guest. Hi, this is um, Hannah Murray. Well, well, we're really excited to have Hannah because obviously Game of Thrones just kicked off. Well, your movie will be coming out soon in the States, and it debuted in the Tribeca Film Festival. Yes. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um, Yes, it's um, it's a movie called Bridge End, um, and I don't know whether people... No, not that um, there was uh, in Bridgen County in Wales um, between 2007 and 2012, there was a very, very high suicide rate, particularly among teenagers. And um, well, our film isn't based on a true story to the extent that the event, but the events are set against the backdrop of that and explore. It's kind of an, you know, an investigation of why that might have happened. That's a pretty deep topic. I mean, a lot of your roles that you've done are very like deep and interesting topics. What what sort of makes you want to play roles like that? Um, yeah, I feel very lucky to have gotten to explore some really interesting things, and um, I definitely feel like I I'm not scared of going to darker places or more challenging places. That's kind of why I always wanted to do this job was to um, push myself. Of emotionally, intellectually, creatively, um, and yeah, I mean, I was scared when I first heard about this project. I was slightly apprehensive because of the subject matter, just because it was based on 
real things that happen to real people and I wanted to be very respectful of that um, but I once I talked to our director about how much research he'd done I realized it was going to be a very very compassionate um, dealing of the subject matter it wasn't exploitative or um, trying to shock for the sake of shocking it was just a really honest really brave story um, but yeah I think that I mean that's I've always been I think we're, you know, we're, part of the reason like, why we make dramas is because we're interested in people in conflict or people going through struggles. So that's why I don't think it's, you know, I think it's normal that a lot of the characters I've played tend to be going through difficult things because that's what's interesting to watch. Agreed. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you, as much as you would love to watch a comedy and sort of like escape, but at the same time, you're also sort of fascinated in how characters have real life situations. Yeah. Uh, how how do you sort of prepare for a role like this? Um, this role was actually the first time I ever decided to see an acting coach. I always used to think that that was like cheating, <laughs> but I was yeah I was really I was really scared about this one, and I felt like um, I felt like I had a real responsibility uh, to to really do a good job, and also I knew that um, Yepa, our director, had very high standards in terms of. He wasn't going to let me get away with anything that looked fake for a second, and um, so I decided to. And I have trouble crying I, for real, so I uh, <laughs> so I wanted to see a coach to just kind of deal with those anxieties. And then, but mainly, I just I mean, I just I did a lot of research about Bridgend and the incidents of the suicides because I felt like I had a real duty to know everything about that. And then I also kind of tried to do that research and then forget about it because my character isn't going to be thinking about kind of facts and figures and she wouldn't know everything that I was able to know. Um, and then I just, just read the script a lot because I just really wanted to make sure I knew inside and out who I thought this girl was and everything that happened to her. Um, but yeah, and I just it, it was an amazing... You don't get many um, roles like, like this, you know, as particularly as for sort of a young female lead. She, I thought it was one of the most beautiful characters I'd ever encountered. She's so many different things and she's so so strong and so vulnerable at the same time. It was, I felt really, really lucky to see her. Well, that's, I mean, that's always exciting to hear for women. It's in that sort of like the, the conversation, the topic that is within Hollywood and TV, movie, even in comics, is sure. getting enough female lead roles that are are dramatic and and you know not just written in so they can be written in. They're given good substantial roles, and it's amazing that you're finding these little roles and making them your own. Yeah, like I say, I think I've been very lucky. I mean, I think obviously what we ultimately want to get to is just a place where it's not a conversation anymore. That we're not having conversations about. I feel like maybe there are really good roles now. Yeah, you know, it just that it's just not something we have to talk about because there just are as many brilliant roles for women as men. You know, I think. I do feel like there's been a kind of just a shift in terms of people seem to be talking about it more. People seem very keen for this. Yeah, there seems to be a real appetite for it, both from audiences and from people working in the industry as well. Um, but uh, and obviously, I want there to be really good female roles because I want to play them. But um, yeah, I think that um, I, one of the things that really bothers me is when you read, you know, I, I read so many character descriptions where like the only thing they say about a female character is that she's beautiful. And I just think like, that's not a personality trait. Yeah. That doesn't define a person. That's like just a physical thing. And um, 
yeah, I think it's, um, I also, I think, uh, often, like, you know, like this was um, a Danish writing director. I think that sometimes if you look outside of the US and the UK, you can find maybe more, inter sometimes more interesting um, perceptions of women or portrayals of women. Well, also certainly during, like, I, I think that in, in the States at least, a lot of our perception of why there's not enough women is because all we see is blockbusters, right? Mm -hmm. And are the, those are amazing in their own way, but, you know, sometimes going and, like, looking at the list of, like, the film festivals, like, um, Blake and I uh, are going to try and go to a couple um, premieres and stuff next week, mm -hmm. uh, and we're, you know, I was, like, looking at the list, and I was like, all of these sound amazing. They're movies I want to see. You know, they're movies that are more interesting and have deeper topics and and to me, that's sort of super fascinating. I, I, I hope that our listeners at home are thinking, oh, I wonder what's up. Even if you're not in New York City and you can't go to Tribeca, you know, a lot of the stuff will be available online or, yeah, you know, absolutely. your film will be available like later this year. You know, it's it's one of those things where taking a chance to look at a movie that may not necessarily be the, you know, number one blockbuster would is, is definitely are good for women because it gives you opportunities. Yeah, I definitely, I think I definitely found that particularly when I was growing up that I didn't feel like um, the sort of big mainstream blockbuster movies represented my experience as a teenager, as a girl, all the things that I was interested in. And I think that, yeah, it's starting to look outside of the box and looking at smaller films and independent films and things that were less well known was a great way to just kind of, and then just discover a lot more variety. As like an actor, how do you obviously you're you're in you're sort of filming Game of Thrones as as throughout, and you sort of take yourself, put yourself in like modern day, and then you go back in time, and then you know like yeah. how do you take yourself in and out of di these different worlds? I don't know really. I mean, it could, yeah, because it can be quite jarring. And I did a day on Game of Thrones in the middle of Bridge End, so I went from you know very very low budget um, modern day piece to fantasy, medieval, giant scale, like on this huge set with a castle. And I just, it was about as, they were, the two projects were kind of about as different from each other as they could be. I, I mean, you just do, I don't really, I don't have like a process <laughs> of like, this is how I get into this time period. I, you just do it. You just do it. Well, I mean, I guess the, like the costumes and like. Yeah. Well, that's what's amazing. I'm shooting a period drama at the moment that's set in the. 1940 oh. and it is incredible like I was again I was sort of thinking I was thinking beforehand, like how am I going to act like it's 1940s and then you realize that so much of the work is done for you that as soon as you put those clothes on as soon as you see the sets it's it really um yeah it's it you just feel it so yeah I'm I'm a huge costume fan I'm mm -hmm. I, I'm Bren the cosplay blog here at Marvel so okay. to me like historical costuming is like the most amazing thing that, that like mostly that's why I go to watch historical pieces because I'm like oh the story's great but look at their costumes they're so amazing <laughs> and the hair and okay I'm gonna stop being like that right? yeah I mean on Game of Thrones I've had one costume the whole time uh, which is basically a, like three sacks laid on top of each other <laughs> so I get quite jealous of all the um King's Landing girls get, um, you know, every week it's a different beautiful gown, and I've just had my sack for four years now. <laughs> Your sack. <laughs> That's right. Maybe one day you will get something else. Maybe, maybe. You never know. Dream. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any advice for you know women who want to get started in the industry? Um, I mean, I don't. I, I in a way, I wouldn't think that my advice would be different from my advice for a man. I think you know, I think that um. Hopefully everyone can kind of 
try and approach the industry in the same way. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, um, I think it's important if you want to be an actor, and it's a lesson that it took me a long time to learn, and I'm probably still learning, is sort of separating rejection from your sense of self. So that you know, if you don't get a particular part, mm-hmm. I used to take this so personally, and. Um, it's taken me a while to realize, like, that's okay. Like, being a successful actor and being a good person are completely independent things. And just realizing that when you don't get a role, it's not usually like, you know, everyone auditioning for something normally is like, if you're auditioning for stuff, it's because you're a good actor because people think they might want to put you in stuff. And um, it's all about who's right for the role. And it's just, they're just trying to figure that out. They're not. Um, it's not a value judgment on you that you don't get things. Um, yeah, and I mean, my main advice, I just think, is that people should kind of watch as many films as possible, watch as many TV shows and plays, and figure out what you like and what's your own kind of unique take on things, because there are so many people that want to work in this industry, and there are so many really talented people, and I think the people that really last in this industry are people that can offer something that no one else can. And I, so I'm, I'm not necessarily interested so much now in good acting or bad acting. I'm just interested in unique acting. And I love when I see a performance that I just think, oh, no one else would have done it like that. No one else would have done it like that. And I think if you, I think that's the most important thing is like, as early on as possible to kind of figure out what can you offer that no one else can. How are you going to make, it, take a scene and make it your own? Um, Great advice, actually. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, we always talk about as as an artist. I've always found rejection to be really hard, and you have to find that moment when rejection, because someone didn't pick you for a show or something, doesn't mean that you're not a good artist or not a good actor. It just means that right now, that's not that's not your road. You're going to go down. Yeah. You never know what's going to be around the corner. Yeah, I think it's important to have a certain sense of things happen for a reason and even though I don't necessarily believe that it's useful to think that it might be true and just kind of yeah you'll you'll find your own path okay one last question for you we always like to ask people what do you geek out for what is your thing that you love to collect or you enjoy so I um I it was it was worse when I was younger but it's still kind of there I was Crazily obsessed with um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah. So it's like it's still my thing. I still think it's one of <laughs> the greatest TV shows ever made, and I, um, particularly the first four seasons. Mm-hmm. I, I just think I think it's like the most brilliant portrayal of adolescence ever. And um, and I was so obsessed with that. Show. I you know I, I like I made websites and I collected and I used to record all the episodes off the TV every week. And I was and I I maintained that I learned how to act by watching Sarah Michelle Gellar because I just wanted to be her so much. And I would memorize all the lines and I would imitate it. And I've since re-watched the series and I was like, oh, that's all my, like everything that I know how to do comes from, I think, just like obsessively watching her performance. I think she's, I think she doesn't get nearly enough credit for her. She's one of the most talented, incredible. I totally agree. I mean, we both obviously grew up around Buffy. Like Mm. that TV show was such a, like, when, when, you know, Buffy and, and Angel have sex for the first time and just all those different things were so, like, matching to me, to my, like, my high school career. Mm-hmm. And I will always say the musical is, like, one of my favorite episodes because, you know, they brought her back from the debt from heaven and no one knows. And she plays this, like, 
pivotal sort of interesting thing where everyone sort of realizes that she's sort of dealing with. Yeah, I think it's so incredible. Like the the leaps that they managed to take on that show, the things that they did. Like they did, you know, they did they did a musical episode. They did an episode with no dialogue at all. They did. It just when I watch it, I just think I think Josh Whedon's a genius. Like it's so the writing is so so smart on that show. Well, that's probably why we got him on board for our own stuff. Well, yeah. (laughs) Can the can the listeners find you on Twitter or Facebook or no? No, you're like no. So no, I'm not on any of those ones. No, I'm not on any social media at all. That's actually pretty powerful. I I will say. Never will be. Stay stay (laughs) off the internet, and you will your mind will be pure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I don't know what I I know it would eat up my life. I know I just spend all my time obsessively poring over my friends pictures of food if I, if I had it. So, um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's better for me not to. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, thank we're you anticipating, yeah, anticipating your, your new movie out. Game of Thrones is out right now. Anything else you need to, you want to promote? No, I'm all right. That's okay. <laughs> okay, great. We will check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.